Unity of Farmington Hills, a powerful path for spiritual living. After a few weeks away. Uh, so, good morning, Unity of Farmington Hills, and welcome. I'm Chuck Manastra, the platform assistant today, and I'll be sharing the announcements and upcoming events with you. We are happy that you are with us today, either online 
or here in person and hope you will enjoy the service. First time visitors, please visit, uh, please receive a welcome packet from the usher as you leave the sanctuary. And please join us in the social hall for great refreshments and conversation and fellowship uh, and tasty treats uh, right after the service, lovingly provided by our fabulous hospitality team. Capital campaign update. We are moving closer to our doubling the stakes goal of $100,000 for the capital campaign. We have now raised $66,000, so we're two-thirds of the way there. 34,000 more to reach our goal, so thank you everybody for your contributions to this really important um, initiative. The UFH ukulele group meets today at 11.30 in room nine. All are invited to come and play the ukulele, sing, or do both for fun time. Learn, grow, or meditate. Join Reverend Kelly for Spirit-Filled Wednesdays. All are welcome to Bible study every Wednesday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Zoom only, and our meditation service every Wednesday at 7 p.m. in person and on Zoom. The Zoom link for both is on our website at Unity. FH.com. Critical Conversations will meet on Zoom on Monday, September 25th, and following second and fourth Mondays of each month from 7 p.m. to 8.30. These conversations are healing and transformative and continue to open our hearts and minds to one another for greater understanding and possibilities. Please join us and invite a friend. Click on the Zoom link right on the website. Sunday, October 8th is Giving Sunday. This Sunday provides an opportunity to further express our financial commitment, love, <clears throat> and appreciation for unity of Farmington Hills. This is an opportunity to catch up on ties, to give additional to the capital campaign goal, or just to give for the joy of giving. All right. Reverend Victoria Hart is our prayer chaplain for today and will be available to pray with you after service near the patio doors, please exit the sanctuary immediately after service to allow a quiet space for prayer. And please visit unityfh.com, check out our Facebook page, or read through the newsletter that's emailed every Friday to stay abreast of our activities and upcoming events. And now, as the music team sings Surely the Presence, let us prepare our hearts and minds for the daily word and for the opening prayer. I do feel the presence of the Lord in this place, and I'm glad you can hear me now because I turned on my mic. <laughs> um, before we get started, uh, I just want to um, thank you all for being here today, and I also want to thank our prayer chaplains for such an amazing World Day of Prayer service. And I also want to thank all of the volunteers who showed up yesterday for our Adopt-A-Family, uh, Adopt-A-Pet Family Fun Day, and um, those of you who came to visit. Uh, this, was, this is an amazing church to me, and I love how you all show up, show out, and you're, we're there for each other. So I just wanted to thank you all for that as well. Before we go into this word of joy. <laughs> so I invite you to close your eyes, if you'd like to, to hear the daily word for today. And then we'll go into prayer. The daily word for today, Sunday, September 17th, 2023, is joy. And our message reads, God's joy blesses each day of my life. 
I'm going to say that again. God's joy blesses each day of my life. And our message reads, The aroma of my favorite foods from childhood bring a happy memory to mind. Hearing the voice of a dear one warms my heart. Looking upon a newborn's face for the first time evokes a feeling words can't even describe. While the giddy excitement of a child's joy may now be a memory, the joy I know today still delights me. Each day I embrace more completely the joy of knowing I am a living expression of God. God God's life lives as me. God's wisdom is within me, my guide to a deepening understanding of myself and the world around me. The love I share with people who are dear to me is God's love, living in each heart and expressing as each of us. What greater joy could there be? Our Bible, voice for, our Bible verse for today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Let us pray. So with our eyes gently closed, let's take a deep breath. Let your attention float down into the center of your chest, which we call our heart center. Let your heart radiate a sense of peace and love. Let your mind be free of the hustle and bustle of the day. And let your body relax in this now moment. And as we do this, we acknowledge that there is only one power, only one presence, only one activity that is active in our lives and in the universe. And that is God, the good omnipotent. And as we acknowledge you, God, our hearts are full of gratitude, thanksgiving, and complete joy. Because we know what you are to us and we know what we are to you. We know that we are one with every power that is you, that your presence is everywhere present within us and all around the world. And because it is so, you know everything that we need in this now moment. So we release and we let go. LG, LG, let go, let God. Perfect everything and every person that concerns us in this moment. And so as we do this, let's just radiate a sense of peace even more deeply and relax just for a little bit in knowing how much God loves you. And as you do this, gently breathe in a feeling of love and gently exhale a feeling of love. Let your shoulders drop. Let your body become more relaxed. Opening yourself up to God as a flower opens up to the sunlight. knowing that as we open ourselves up, our spirit increases and our human decreases. Preparing us for today's message, not just to understand it on a deeper level, but to truly live the fifth unity principle of living that truth that we know. And let your heart relax in the knowing that wherever you are, especially in this right now moment, God is right here with us. We lift this prayer, our hearts, this meditation, the spiritualization of our bodies right now 
in the name and nature of the indwelling Christ. Thanking you, God, for your love that loves us no matter what, teaches us to love you in that same way, ourselves and each other. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. Amen. And now let us go ahead and affirm our statement for being, a statement of being. <laughs> God is all, both invisible and visible. One presence, one mind, one power is all. This one that is all is perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. I am an individualized expression of God. Well, if you believe it, say it two more times. I am an individualized expression of God. One more time. I am an individualized expression of God. I am ever one with this perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. And now let's go ahead and affirm our U of H growth affirmation, knowing with some gusto that it is working. Together, we give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls, sanctuary, and classrooms with seekers and teachers of unity truth, fills our hearts with love and joy, and provides us with all of the necessary resources to co-create a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. Amen to that. <laughs>
I had a time where I was, ta I was talking to someone on the phone, right? And um, I was like, I can't find my phone. They said, Kelly, yes, you're on the phone right now. Like, oh. <laughs> or you had your glasses on your head. You're looking for them. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Let's give them another hand. You know, music is a powerful uh, form of ministry, and it does help our, it helps open you up and get you all ready to go, you know, so I love, I love, I love our music team. <clears throat> I'm going to keep on saying, and I'm going to say, what am I about to say, y'all? We got the baddest, <laughs> we got the baddest band in unity. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. It's exciting to know that. It's exciting to feel that, and it's exciting to have people come in and hear it, right? Amen? Amen. <clears throat> okay, so we have started a study in the book of Revelation. And um, today the title of my talk is John's Vision of Jesus in Revelation 1, because last week we started Revelation 1, and uh, Revelation chapter 1, and we went into the idea of what Revelation was for, and Jesus was giving John a vision to help him to encourage and motivate those who are being persecuted for living according to Jesus' teachings in life. And they called it the way back then. That was what it was called back then. So we already went through uh, the beginning part of chapter 1, and I want to go ahead and finish up chapter 1. And the title of this second part of chapter 1 is called Vision of the Son of Man. <clears throat> Revelation has been a book that has been hard to understand and so a lot of times ministers uh, shy away from teaching from that book. But a lot of people in church want to understand want to, want to understand what it means. So I was led to go ahead and dive into this book next. Now we said that John was a disciple of Jesus. And not only was he a disciple of Jesus, that he was um, the one who wrote the book, the gospel according to John. He was the, the, the disciple that wrote that. We also said that John represents love, and that he went through a transformation in that because when he was beginning with his brother James, the two of them were called the sons of thunder because they were kind of impulsive and had rage and wanted to uh, act first and, and think about it later or speak later, uh, come to their heart later. And so Jesus called them the sons of thunder. So we, we talked about how he had moved into a deeper sense of love to the point that when Jesus was up on the cross, cruci being crucified, spiritualizing himself and releasing himself from the attachment of his life, moving into a deeper sense of oneness with God, he looks down at John, his disciple, and he tells him that to take care of his mother. We also said that John um, was, the, was considered the disciple that Jesus loved, so he was really close friends with Jesus. That tells us something there. That tells us that in order to have a deep relationship with the Spirit in you, you must fall in love with the Spirit in you. You must fall in love with love itself. You must be a powerful expression of love that it holds you through anything that goes through your life that you know that you can, stand, you can stand in, trust in, have faith in, and walk in the presence of God completely because you are completely one with it because of the love that you're radiating within yourself. And I say that because in this book of Revelation, John represents that love that's being uh, spiritualized in us. And as we look through this vision of Jesus and what Jesus represents in our personal life, not just what Jesus represented as a motivation to the people who John is writing the letters for, uh, the churches he's writing the letters for, but this we can take as a personal motivation, a personal message for ourselves. It's how we read the Bible, it's how we see the Bible in the world, it's how we see the Bible working itself out in our life, and even more deeply, how we see it working ourself, itself out in our consciousness. Is that making sense to everybody? Okay. So let's go, let's dig in. 
Revelation chapter 1, we will be uh, the vision where it says vision of the Son of Man. This comes, it's in chapter 1, but it's verses 9 through 20. And as we read through this, it is interesting because you often see in the letters that are written from Paul to John here, they always kind of introduce themselves. Like it says here in verse 9, I, John, am your brother, your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and, the patient, and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about how much love and dedication and faith it must take to have in someone or have in a ministry that is brought that you know that this is the word of God for you to literally do it to the point that you are willing to be persecuted and even killed. Now, he's on this island, which is turned into kind of a jail, working hard labor because he has decided to spread this word about Jesus, to spread not just the word that Jesus gave, came to share with us on a deeper level of what Jewish traditions or Judaism is, but also because he had, he had a close relationship with this, with this man. To the point where he truly saw Christ in him. Can you imagine that? Just imagine that. Being willing to sacrifice your life for someone else and the ministry that that person is here to present. That reminds me of Elliot. Because I remember in Black History Month this year, when I was saying that sometimes I may say things that may not go off well with white people, and I'm willing to put my life on the line. I'm not going to shut up. Because it may mean that my life is on the line. And Elliot said, Reverend Kelly, when you said that to me, the first thing that came to me was that they'd have to go through many lives to get to you. And mine is the first one. Now, to be able to touch someone that deeply with my awkward, quirky way of ministering, I knew he meant it. I knew he meant it. And the things that he's done to make it better for me in this ministry, not just for the church, but just to make it better for me, to make it sure that I'm safe. There's a ring doorbell on the back of the door, the back of the building, because some random guy came in and he heard me say how nervous I was about it. So he bought a ring doorbell so I can check before I go open that door because I'm here alone sometimes. Just imagine that, have someone having that much caring and faith in what you have to share. John had so much in it that he had trusted Jesus so much that not only was he with Jesus through every single, what would call, be called a miracle, but he had a heart that was still in tune with Jesus, that when it, Jesus came to him in spirit, because get, don't get twi it twisted. When Jesus was resurrected, he was resurrected to never die again, meaning that his spirit can change, his body can come and leave as he chooses, because he has that control over the spirit of himself in his body. So as he comes to John, John knows him. And he hears and trusts this message that John has for him. This is serious when you really think about how much passion you must have and how much trust and faith you must have in a person where they knock you off your feet like Paul was knocked off his feet on, on the road to Damascus and became the number one Apostle to the Gentiles. How deeply are you moved in your life? 
And I'm talking beyond taking care of your family, taking care of your children. How deeply are you moved in your life that there's a mission inside of you? That I, not only are you here to be it yourself, but you're here to encourage others to do it even when the going gets tough. That's deep to me. And it inspires me so deeply. Like it really touches me deeply. That he's that open to God, that open to Jesus, that he trusts even when Jesus' spirit comes to him and says, write down what I have to tell you for these seven churches. And I just, in that moment, as I was down, he realized that Elliot was getting to that way with me. He trusted me. And he stepped into a lot of faith by hearing what God had to say through me. And I, don't, I know it ain't my human. It's the spirit. But to be able to be in a place where you can touch lives and let God use you to touch lives, I feel blessed to be able to be chosen and then to choose to do it. Because I promise you, all of us are chosen. But are you choosing to do it yourself too? In your own way. <clears throat> so as he's on this island of Patmos, Patmos, <clears throat> it says in verse 10, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a voice, a loud voice like a trumpet blast. So this is even deeper. He's in this, on this island, which is like a jail, and he's still taking time out on the Lord's day, which, is their, which was the Sabbath day for them. And it doesn't say whether it was Sunday or Saturday, but I know when Christianity came, it, it, it changed throughout <clears throat> the years that the Sabbath for Christianity would be on Saturday. And this is the early Christians. He's in this place that's like a jail, hard labor, taking time out to sit in the silence to worship God. Which means that no matter what we are going through in life, in those times that are the toughest are the times when it's more, most necessary for us to stand in praise and worship and go into the silence. And the day of worship, I mean, or the day of the Lord doesn't have to just be on the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, Jesus went to God all the time. He took a Sabbath all the time. Spending time, especially after he did what would be considered, like I said, miracles. And miracles are just the working out of the spiritual law that you are. It's following what Jesus tells you to do. Following which is go into the Father. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness. And when you do that, you are told how to demonstrate the spiritual presence that you are. So he's on this day, he's in this place, he takes his time off, and this is when he suddenly heard behind him a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And that is uh, the still, small voice that speaks to you. But it hits you so deeply that it feels like a thunder. It feels like a roar. It stops you in your tracks, even when you're stopped in your tracks. The peace be still and know. Once you're in a space where you are at peace and you're being still and you know, you can step into a deep state of patience with God. To me, patience means it's when peace meets being still. And that's important because the next thing, he, what he says up here in the beginning of this is he says that um, in verse 9, the beginning of this, he says that he is the brother of uh, your partner. He's, I'm your brother, your partner in suffering in God's kingdom and in the patient enduring. See, they thought Jesus would come back in their time. So they thought, oh, as long as we keep going through this, that's the apocalyptic literature, that as I go through this, and as the going gets tough, gets tough, and as soon as it gets, gets so worse that we can't handle it anymore, Jesus is going to come through and overcome all this. Because they believed that there were forces of good and evil at each other, vying for our ten- attention and vying for our support. And as soon as it got as bad as it could ever get, Jesus would come in. In the Old Testament, it was God would come in. In the New Testament, Jesus would come in, and it would be the new kingdom, the the new earth, and a new heaven. But I'm here to tell you, it said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and here it says that this is at hand. 
What that means is it's happening right now. And even deeper, it means it's going on inside of us. Every minute you open your eyes, you have an opportunity to focus on the physical world and get caught up in that and distracted in that, or focus on the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to guide you through everything you're going through. When you allow the Spirit of God to guide you through everything you're going through, something will come in and open your eyes to see it on a deeper level. The song was perfect. This is the stuff that drives me crazy. All of the things when you get up on the wrong side of the bed, quote unquote, and then one thing after the other after the other happens, and you, we don't tend to stop and say, okay, let me go inside and realign, get at peace, and let you guide me so that this other stuff isn't happening because I'm rushing through things and not taking time to be patient, taking time to look at the details, and taking time to make sure I have everything I need. <laughs> that reminds me, Howard always goes in and checks after me before we leave. Sometimes I'll say, oh, I forgot my formula, he'll hand it to me. But it's a good idea to do that. Not just go back and look at what you forgot. Stop for a minute and look through your day on what you forgot. Most of the time, we've forgotten God. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time, I'm not saying some of the time, most of the time, if we be real, we forgot God. And especially when things are going wrong, it's not always our first inclination to jump in and say, hey, praise God. Just think about your first inclination. It's usually what the what is going on. You know? As we go forward, it says right in verse, uh, he heard that voice, that's the still small voice, which is the Christ in you speaking, and you cannot get there unless you be quiet. As a matter of fact, the subconscious, which is that space in your heart, it is where we have our common ground with God. So when you close your eyes, shut out the outer world, which Jesus calls, go into your closet, right in that space, tune everything out, right in that space is where your subconscious, your conscious mind drops down into the subconscious, that part inside of you, and you hear the superconscious, which is the Christ in you. And then when you stay in that space for a little bit, he said he was worshiping, and then it happened. So you got to tune in for a little bit, and it may take a minute. And if it takes a minute, then you persevere and stay in it. And the moment you do, something washes over you so deep and you know it's God. You ever had a moment where something washed over you so deep that you knew it was the presence of God? Anybody ever had that feeling? I know I've had that feeling. Some people feel like, the, like you listen to a song, or and it's like something hit you so deep that you, those words are just talking to you so deep. And some people feel, say it's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, it is. Because you're opening yourself up to let it well up from the inside out. So instead of running on the vapors of spirit, you're running on the fullness of spirit, and you're being guided by spirit in any situation you're going through. Let's keep going. He says that write a book, or write in a book, and back then they had scrolls. Everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Laodicea, rather. <clears throat> now, these seven, city, uh, seven cities, which have the seven churches in them, represent seven phases of consciousness that we go through when we're rising up to the fullness of God the full expression of God. Ephesus represents our human desires that we overcome. You know, those cravings and the doing stuff and putting everything, these cravings in front of God. That's what that <clears throat> represents. Smyrna represents substance, which is the essence in which God creates all things. It's the invisible realm in you that's the presence of God. What was the other... Um, <clears throat> And then you have Pergamum. Pergamum represents our intellect, our intelligent part of our human. So these are, Charles Fillmore would say these are, when you're talking about the seven churches, is spiritualizing the human man, is what Charles Fillmore, who's the co-creator of unity, would say. And then you have 
um, Thyatira. Thyatira represents our zeal. It's that inner urging to move forward that we have. When you get this uh, feeling to do something, and you say, I should have followed my gut, I should have followed, that's Thyatira. That, that's that zeal inside of us that moves us forward. And then you have Sardis. Sardis represents <clears throat> that deep abiding joy inside of us. The feeling of being rich and excited, even when there's nothing going on. Paul says in the New Testament that he had learned to be content whether he was full, whether he wasn't, whether things were going well or whether things were, this, this is the stuff going on. That's your Sardis consciousness. That's the joy inside of you. And then it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia represents love, but it represents the philos love. It's the love of friendship, that deep part of you that wants to know people better, wants to create a foundation where you understand where a person is coming from. It's deeper than a relationship love. And it's even deeper than an agape love. Agape love is just loving for the sake of loving everyone around you. But friendship love is getting deep in it. Friendship love is what makes a marriage and other relationships work because it creates a foundation of understanding and coming together in union with each other. Where you compromise, you co-promise to accept each other just the way you are in any relationship you're in. And that's Philadelphia. That's your Philadelphia consciousness. And then Laos, 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 ah, Laodicea. Laodicea represents our judgment. But not judging, condemning, or judging self-righteousness. It's discernment. It's your power of discernment. When you're living on those, in those phases of consciousness, you open yourself up when you spiritualize the human part of you, then we move into the spiritual part of us, which are the 12 powers. Does that make sense to everybody? So you start off with the human. That's why Jesus healed people first. Because if you're hurting so deeply that your attention is there, you can't hear really what spirit is saying, especially if you're beginning. So he heals people when we went into Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. He had just finished healing people. Then he opened them up to the Beatitudes, which means you have to have these states of attitude. You have to be in these state of attitudes before you can live in the ministry or even open yourself up to understand deeply the consciousness of God. Now, this vision is opening him up, opening John up to write these letters to these seven churches, which really represents when we go inside, there's aspects inside of us in these seven phases of consciousness that we need to purify inside of ourselves. And we're going to go through the seven churches and move through each one to see what it is that we need to do in those phases of consciousness to line ourselves up and to purify our human expression. And we get there every once in a while, but the purpose is to be there all the time. The purpose is to be there all the time, no matter what you're going through. Mama's finished. Well, we're really not. He, he goes on to say that as he turned, he saw um, seven gold lamps, and later on we'll say what the seven gold lamps are. And standing in the middle of the lamps was someone like a son of God, the son of man, rather. And Jesus called himself the son of man. Through, if you read through all four Gospels, that's how he referred, to, he referred to himself as the Son of Man. However, God says that God so, it also says God so loved the world that he gave of his only begotten Son, which is the Son of God. Now, there's a difference between the Son of God and the Son of Man. As I've said often, the Son of God represents that spiritual man in you. It's the Christ in you. It's that peace of you that's inherited of God, that divinity in you. The Son of Man is when you live it in the world. So that's why Jesus called himself the Son of Man, because he was actively all the time living that expression of God in his physical manifestation. So now when, he, when John sees this in his vision, oh, this is really is Jesus. And it, show, it goes on to say that Jesus is wearing a robe, a long robe, with a gold uh, sash across it, which is what the high priest wore in the temple. They wore these long goals with these long white robes with these breastplates on them. And on the breastplates were usually 12 stones that represented the 12 tribes. And so he's looking at this and he's seeing this and he's realizing that this is representing how Jesus is the, the, as the 
high priest wore this outfit in the temple here on earth. Jesus is the high priest in the spiritual realm. But inside of us, Jesus is that spirit in you, that son of God inside of you. And when you go to demonstrate it, you've activated the temple inside of yourself by being the expression of that in your world. That's what we're here to do. Jesus didn't, God, Jesus didn't make us. God didn't just make us to be the uh, expression of being made in God's image and likeness just to be here. We're made in God's image and likeness to demonstrate in his physical presence the mighty power of God within and to guide people, others, as our example to be the same. So as we're looking at this vision that's opening up, it's activating John to wake up even more so that he can really hear what it is to write down for these seven churches. Is that making sense to everybody? And you know you are the church, right? Jesus didn't necessarily intend to have a physical body, a physical building be the church. You are the church, and the spirit in you is married to the spirit in God, which is why Jesus called the church the bride and God the groom, the bridegroom. That everything we learn, everything we do in here, everything we demonstrate in here is activating the vows that we have with the presence of God that you are one with, that you go out and be the demonstration. And we do that as a group here. We do that together here. Keep on going. Let me keep on going. It says his head was, and his hair were white like wool and white as snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. Now white, when your hair starts to turn, you get these little gray hairs. What does that represent? Wisdom. Yes. So the white head, the white hair, which is also represented in Daniel chapter 7, he talks about this uh, ancient one having a white, woolly hair. It's representing the spiritual wisdom. It's not just wisdom, because it's on Jesus, who is the high priest of heaven. It's spiritual wisdom, but it's the spiritual wisdom within each and every one of us. It's when we tune into God and ask what is mine to do. It's literally living the truth that we know. You can't just understand it and know it. You got to choose, and it's more than just living. You got to choose to do it. And you have to choose to do it willingly with the expression of joy, not out of obligation. If you do it out of obligation, you're still coming from human. But if you do it from the freeness of the spirit in you, because you choose to be that relationship with God, now you're open to balance every single facet within you. And your life will be so much joy, joy, joy. Can you say joy? Can you say joy, joy, joy? Joy, joy, joy. Absolutely. That's how your life will be when you're in the fullness of the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And then it says the eyes were like flames of fire, which means you have, you have a strong perception. His eyes pierced and could understand, had a piercing perception. I've been told sometimes that my eyes look right through people. <laughs> It's because there's an opening inside of me to want to understand and perceive from the presence of God, not my human understanding. I want to perceive from the presence of God what's going on in people. So I, I do my best to look in people's eyes. Can I tell you something that I've noticed with me? And this may, I don't know what this, is, what this works with or what it is, but I've just noticed it with me. That it took me a little bit longer to learn how to look people in their eyes, especially white people in their eyes. And white people look me in the eyes just, but it took me a minute to look white people in the eye. There's an unconscious thing there with white and black that it takes us a minute to look because when we were as slaves, you could not because it meant your equals. And so as we looked a white person in the eyes, we'd be killed or chopped off or eyes poked out because it meant we're bringing ourselves up to the purity of what white people thought back in the day. This is a generational thing that's been passed on that took me a minute to learn how to look. And I can look uh, my, my people of my own skin, but to look a white person in the eye and hold a conversation like that was deep business. And I'm still working on it because it's deeply generational. And I suggest and I challenge us all to learn to do that because the eyes pierce deeply into the soul and create a deep connection of understanding. 
So when I talk, I try my best to do that. Look people in the eyes, make a connection. And it makes it easier when I'm coming from spirit to do it. Because now the Christ in me is speaking to the Christ in the other person. I'm not worried about what they're thinking about me. I'm worried about what God, I'm not even worried at all. I'm tuned into what God wants me to say and what God wants me to see and what God wants me to hear. Seeing taps into the details of what's going on. But the most powerful part of conversation is your behavior, your facial expression. That tells you more than what's coming out of a person's mouth. And the eyes tell you even more. So piercing perception is what we're being led to have as children of God. Isn't that deep business? That eye contact can tell you so much, it tells you you have a confidence. My dad used to tell me that when you're doing an interview, shake hard, don't squeeze the hand, but shake hard, firm, and eye contact. If you got shifty eyes, there's something going on. Check yourself so you don't wreck yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I am almost done now. Now it goes down to his feet were like fern, uh, uh, polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean wave. In this language that John is speaking, the feet represent being stable and strength. But when you go deeper, feet represents understanding. So when he, when the feet are, are polished like bronze, it steps into strong spiritualized understanding that moves you into the wisdom. You can't be wise if you don't understand what you're being wise about. And so that's what the feet represent, standing in a strong sense of understanding, seeking to understand on a deeper level what is being told to you. And I'm saying this to you because I'm wanting to challenge us all to take time during the week, time during the day, each day, to sit in that space where John was, to let your heart celebrate and praise God, and let all this come up to you so that you move in a space that you hear God, you hear the voice, you hear what God's saying, and you have a piercing understanding of it, and you have a strong understanding of it, and you step into the wisdom of it. And the roaring voice is power and authority. That when you go to pray, you pray with that power and authority. It is you. It is you. Walking around Mount saying, if it be your will, God. Or when I ask you stuff and y'all go, yes. That's not stepping into your authority. We're here to be the authority of God through our own individualized expressions. Don't we say that in our statement of being? What is it? It's a statement of being, which means it is continuously who you are. It never ends. Even when your spirit leaves your body, it is still your statement of being, that you are an individualized expression of God. And when you speak it with authority, you, you create in your life whatever it is that you speak, through the authority that you speak it, which means your heart and your mind have to be one with it. If it's not, it'll, come, it'll trickle to you or it won't come at all. So this vision, or whatever you guys get as a premonition, that's the same thing as what this is. It goes on to say he held seven stars in his hand and a sharp, and a sharp edge, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like sun in all its brilliance. It goes on to tell him not to be afraid. And then it gives the mystery. The seven stars are the angels. And the seven churches are the lampstands of, of the churches. Let me go, let me unpack that a little bit and then we'll close out. The two-edged sword is the logos, which is the creative power of the, your word. It's the word of God coming from your mouth. Let me tell you something. Every word that you have that comes from your mouth is permission for God to do it in your life. We have free will. And free will means that you have the power to create whatever it is through the power of God that you are. It's not that God will come in and usurp it. No, you literally have free will to 
if you say you're stupid, if you say you're broke, if you say you're sick, if you say you got this or that or whatever, you give God permission to create that in your world because through the mouth, at the end of the tongue, is the power center, and that's the power of your voice. And then your voice will go out, the logos, and create it for you, even if it's created for you against you. So be very conscious, that piercing perception of what you're about to say, and before you say anything after I am, let it be the truth of what God is, because that is what you are. Even if you have symptoms of feeling sick, even if you have symptoms of COVID, you can still say, I am perfect, whole, and complete. My body is taking its time to demonstrate it in God's divine order. But if you say I am sick, now you stamped it on there to be even more sick. Does that make sense to everybody? So you got to watch the power of your word. I am an individualized expression of God. Together, I am an individualized expression of God. And that is the truth over you. And these letters, it says they were written to the messengers. And the messengers were, it, it, well, it said angels. But in this language, the messengers represent the people who were the head of the churches. Because the people who were the head of the churches were the ones who would read the letter for everyone to read. Last time we said that you were blessed it last week, those who read the letter out loud were blessed. Those who listened to the letter and heeded it were uh, blessed. And that's what the messengers, the angels represent. But it also represents the deep abiding message that you are as the head of your own church, which is who you are in this expression. What is the message that you are here to demonstrate? What is the message that you have been given? It is on your life, whether you believe it or not, and you got to sit with God, go inside, hear that vision, be that vision, and live that vision with the passion and the gusto that you are, that every word that comes out of your mouth is an expression, an invitation, and a demonstration of what you're about to do in the presence of God with that vision that you are to be. And that just is what it is. Straight up, no chaser. And so this was a vision for him to write to the seven churches, which, like I said, are the seven phases of consciousness, which is spiritualizing the the natural man, the human, the human man, in order for us to step more powerfully into the spiritual expression that we are. And so what I want us to do is just put your hand over your heart, gently close your eyes, take a deep breath. And as I pray over you, I invite you, challenge you, motivate you, empower you to open yourself up to hear what God's vision is for you over your life. God, as we tune into the presence within, seeking to be the demonstration of the Son of Man without, as we live and move and have our being in you, we invite you to give us a vision as you gave John a vision. We invite Jesus' presence to come towards us. We consider Jesus in unity our big brother, our way shower. And so we open ourselves up to be guided in the truth, the way, and the light, which we know will always be seeking the kingdom of heaven and all its righteousness. We open ourselves up to be it. We open ourselves up to see it. We open ourselves up to be ready and willing to do it as an expression of who we are to be in our individualized demonstration of the God inside. And we thank you, God, for blessing each and every heart that is here each and every heart that is watching, each and every heart that's connected to Unity of Farmington Hills. As we move forward as an expression of your Christ presence within us, we know, God, that not only will we be blessing ourselves, but we will be blessing the world. So we ask you to come in, take a deep breath, and invite God in. And really, as we invite you to come in, God, we're just opening ourselves up, opening ourselves up for the presence that you are already inside of us. And we ask you to Guide us, lead us, and be the demonstration in it and as and through us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's say thank you, God, together. Thank you, God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank you.
gently close your eyes, take a deep breath, bring to mind what you feel led to give for a love offering for today, knowing that you are
prosperous, whole, and complete, and abundant in the presence of God. And let's go ahead and affirm our love offering blessing. If you need to open your eyes to do so, you can do so. Together, divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I am, all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's stand so we can do our, our prayer for protection and our peace song. And can I tell you all, I just love you with all my heart, all of you who are here, even those of you who are visiting. I love you with all of my heart, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Let's go ahead, and as we affirm this prayer for protection, we're affirming it with that spiritual side of ourselves, for ourselves and for the world. Amen? Amen. Together, the light of God surrounds us, the love of God enfolds us, the power of God protects us, the presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you.